Hello, and welcome to the November episode of the Staff Briefing. I'm so glad you're here and that you've taken the time to listen to this podcast. There is actually a lot uh, to talk about and crunch into a little bit of time. So I just want to jump right in uh, and get things moving. So let's go ahead and talk about news and updates. It is the last week of class and it's Friday. So everything feels a little bit slower and a little bit quieter on campus. Uh, That's probably because next week is also Thanksgiving. The office, uh, both event productions and event technology, will be closed Thanksgiving on the 28th and then Friday the 29th as well. Uh, Looking back, we had a phenomenal October. It was full with Heritage Week the Great Commission race, and it closed out with the Expositor Summit. In 2016, we had under 250 people attending Expositors, but this year we almost doubled that in registrations and had one of our most successful events of the year. So thank you to everyone who contributed to the success of that event. As we look forward to big events coming up for now, I want you to consider two dates. December 13th, which is the seminary's graduation. This time of year is always special because you get a reminder of why this school exists to train students for faithful gospel ministry. And we get a unique opportunity to see them complete their training here on campus and then be sent off. So that's the first date, December 13th. The second date is March 20 through 21st. This day is a little further out, but it's important. It's renowned 2020. The topic this year is what is a Christian? And we're pushing for 750 registrations, 750. Uh, We have our work cut out for us. Uh, But between now and December 31st, registrations are lower than they've ever been before. $40 per person. What's also exciting is that for the first time, we've launched our own renowned website. You can check it out, and I encourage you to, at renownedyouth.com. The link is also going to be in the the show notes. Here's what I want you to do. Go on the website and get familiar with the details on the page. Get a good grasp on why we are having this event. Then talk to people about it. If you know high school students or youth leaders that would benefit from attending this event, give them the website and encourage them to check it out. We have a bunch of work to do to get to 750 registrations. But I know that if we're all working together and thinking about it, uh, I think we're going to hit our goal. So let's move over to uh, some time of recognition. Um, I I sent out an invitation to all of you uh, about a week ago to recognize members of our team that have gone above and beyond in their work or to even share something that you've learned while working the last couple of months. A few of you called in. Uh, Some of you had technical difficulties, uh, but we heard from two of you. Um, So let's uh, let's hear from you all. Hi, this is Julie in Event Productions. I want to recognize Bethany Strickland, who coordinated Voice and Southern Preview, as well as Heritage Week in the space of two weeks, all in the middle of crazy personal experiences. She handled things so seamlessly, and it was still a joy to work with her. She's a fantastic coworker. She's an incredible example of being calm under pressure. 
Hi, my name is Allison Sansbury, and I work in the event productions office. And I want to recognize Micah, our part-time event planner. He started in our office and hit the ground running with Fall Festival, the Great Commission Race, and the Expositor Summit all in one semester. And he's been doing a great job with every single one of these public events. He is a quick learner. He takes ownership over the tasks given to him. If he hits a roadblock, he finds a solution for it. He communicates where he's at on projects and has just been a huge help to the planning team in general. Um, on top of that, he's also taken on other roles in the office, working receptionist shifts and host shifts. And all around, I'm just super thankful for Micah and so glad that he's in our office. Thank you, Allison and Julie, for calling in and giving that recognition. Uh, we're going to move right into our conversation. I'm really excited for this episode because the last episode, we had a conversation with Trey Brunson. At the end of the conversation, he gave his recommendation for who he thought would be a good fit uh, to come on the staff briefing. Uh, if you don't know by now, the title of this episode is a conversation with Jeff Dalrymple. Uh, I was able to get on a call with Jeff uh, and ask him some of the same questions we asked Trey uh, last episode. Uh I am so thankful for Jeff. If you don't know who Jeff Dalrymple is, he was the former vice president of hospitality uh, here at Southern Seminary. And he's done a handful of other things since then. Uh, he worked with Trey at Crossing. He was communications pastor at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And he's still doing things with the Hospitality Project and a number of other projects. This guy is super busy, but he's always uh, thinking and making things better. So anyway... Uh, without wasting any more time, uh, here's my conversation with Jeff Dalrymple. Well, hey, Jeff, thanks for being here today and taking a few moments to meet on the phone and talk about leadership and some of the things that have served you over over the years. Thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks, Calvin. It's a joy to be with you. Thank so, you. So welcome back to to Southern Seminary events. You were one of the first people coming onto the campus of Southern Seminary that, that we met. Uh, you interviewed uh, my wife for a position. You had us over into your house and just from day one showed so much hospitality to us. Um, so in, in my mind, you're kind of like the, the Southern guru of hospitality and you kind of have set the bar that we're all still trying to reach. So it's, it's an honor to have you. So thank you so much. Well, hospitality is one of my favorite things to, uh, to talk about. So hopefully we'll at some point. Yeah. So I sent in several questions to you and you, you send in your answers. And I'm excited to jump into those. You were really influential in, in my development uh, when I started my first job with ACBC and you kind of like, I remember we'd meet at Blue Dog and, and talk through, Blue Dog. <laughs> yes. and we, we would talk through, you know, just basic leadership introductory principles that were important and helpful. And one of the things that, I mean, you told me a lot of things that stuck out, but like one thing that has stuck with me about you is you told me to be a student of life. And by that, you meant stepping back 
in observing the things that are around you? Well, I think there's, there's two things. One is just leaders should always be learning. I mean, once you, you think that you've got it all figured out and you stop learning, you're dead on arrival. Sears is a great example of that. Sears could have been the Amazon of the future, but they rested on their laurels, right? They, uh, they really stopped learning and innovating because learning and innovation is so closely tied together. Um, the, the point of innovation is that you, you take what you've learned and you adapt and you apply, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a daily discipline for leaders is to constantly be learning. Um, for Bible-believing Christians, it starts with um, reading and learning and studying the Word of God. And then I think it's, it, it spans out from there to include, you know, your own personal development, learning about trends in whatever industry you're in, identifying holes in your knowledge and working to kind of learn in those holes, if you will. Yeah. So the, the first category of questions is to, to list three uh, leadership principles you didn't know walking into your first role of leadership that you wish that you did know. So maybe we'll take them one by one, but maybe before you say what the first thing is, tell us what your first uh, role of leadership was uh, and, and how old you were. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So I was, uh, I was thrust into some leadership roles uh, at a very young age. Um, in high school, I had leadership opportunities through 4-H. Uh, so I was an officer in our 4-H club and uh, held multiple positions, including treasurer and secretary and, and those types of things. And so I learned a ton through 4-H. I also learned um, through 4-H, I was a, a county all-star. If anyone who knows 4-H, that <laughs> was actually a pretty big deal in LA County at the time. I didn't know that it was that big of a deal, but I learned tons through that. And we would go around speaking on leadership to other students. It was kind of a, you know, they would kind of um, elevate some certain students to leadership roles to inspire and lead and, and train other students. So that was one of my first leadership opportunities. And then I was a manager at McDonald's. And uh, I, I forget about it sometimes, but it actually shaped so much of who I am today and, and a lot of leadership principles um, I learned through being a manager at McDonald's. So when I was 18, I was uh, immediately promoted to a manager um, after successfully being um, a trainer at age 17. And um, yeah, so one of the things I learned um, at McDonald's is the importance of good systems and processes. And I had never even thought about it before. I mean, I was just a kid, right? And so I, I get into McDonald's and the McDonald's environment that I was at is not what I've learned later on to be the stereotypical McDonald's. Uh, I was not in a corporate McDonald's store. I was in a franchise store and the, uh, the Schultz family, they weren't Christians, um, but uh, in, in my hometown of Santa Clarita, they had just a passion for excellent leadership and management, and they wanted to be the very best McDonald's in the whole wide world. And so they led and inspired and motivated their staff to do just that. Now, um, there's, there's plenty of McDonald's out there that don't deliver the same <laughs> consistent service. Um, but it really starts with that, that passion for excellence. And uh, like I said, they weren't Christians, but I learned tons from them. And specifically about systems and processes, it's, you know, both a good stewardship, but it's also a branding element. Uh, branding meaning not just your logo and graphics, right? But your brand is really the perception that people have of you, your company, your organization, 
or whoever, you know, you're working for, I guess it could even be, you could even have personal branding. Like what's the branding of Calvin Payne? Let's talk about that sometime. <laughs> so, uh, so systems and process, I'll give you a quick example. Um, a quick example that blew my mind when I was 18 years old. Um, McDonald's has a planned maintenance. Now I'm going to, um, people are going to start to gloss over when I start talking about this, because if, unless you're in operations at Southern Seminary, you don't care about these things until something goes wrong. But there's a principle uh, in business and facilities management called planned maintenance. And what that is, is a proactive approach to managing your, the systems of your facility, right? So plumbing and air conditioning and all the things that you take for granted that they just work. Well, in a reactive model, you just wait for things to break and then you go fix it, right? But proactive management systems include preventative maintenance where you're, um, you're checking on different systems within your facilities proactively, right, before they break. And you can actually save a lot of time and hassle and money if you're proactively managing and leading wherever you're at, but especially in facilities. So that's one of the first things I've learned. You know, in high school, this is something that could be taught a lot better coming up with systems and processes because you kind of walk into the workforce and you're kind of at the mercy of learning it yourself because these things are kind of already in place, but they're not really, you're not told why and the benefit of them or the repercussions of not having good system and processes in place. Why, why do you think that that's not something that is more drilled into people when they're young so that when they walk into the workplace, they're not 18 and a manager like finding at McDonald's finding out like why this is important. Mm. Well, I mean, ultimately I think it's a, it's a, it could be a parenting issue. Right. Um, I think for Christians, it's really about stewardship. It's really about wanting to take what's been entrusted to us Mm -hmm. as Christians and to steward it well, not to just, you know, bury it like a talent in the ground, right? But to really take it and figure out what can we do to make it better? What can we do to get a greater return on investment? And so I talk about plan maintenance, but I mean, really, um, every organization has those kind of systems and processes. And uh, one of the ways to think about it is that, um, again, from the stewardship perspective is, well, what if the Lord took me home today? If, if I have all of the knowledge about a particular industry or program or whatever it might be, initiative, if I keep that all in my head and I'm gone, whether you know I get hit by a bus, the Lord takes me home, or I take another job, whatever that might be, I'm leaving the organization that I'm there to steward and serve with a big hole, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea of systematizing what you do Um, A, helps with consistency, which is branding, like I talked about, but B is good stewardship because anybody should be able to pick up where you left off with the system and and execute it and take it and and make it happen. Um, Keep the ball moving down the field or carry the baton forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. So real quick, what would you say, is there a book, a resource, if someone's like, hey, you know, I want to establish good systems and processes, like what should I read? What should I do to get started right away? Ooh, good question. I just finished a book that hits this topic. And when I finished the book, actually, as I was reading it, it's called Traction. I'll get to the author here in one second. But Traction made me think of my, uh, my I have a bachelor's in organizational management. And if someone couldn't go and do a degree, like an MBA, or my, like my undergraduate organizational management, this is the book they need to pick up. It's called okay. Traction. 
and it is written by Gino Wickham. Get a grip on your business. Okay. And it's fantastic. Talks about systematizing things and it's not a Christian resource, but sure. um, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get the heart of that issue in that book. It's fantastic. That's great. All right. So the first thing work walking into your first job, it was, you wish you would have known the importance of good systems and processes. What's the next thing? Yeah. The next thing um, is, is kind of what we were talking about a minute ago, but pausing periodically to reflect, analyze, and to refocus in life. And uh, you know, if you're in ministry or just living life, most people can be really, really busy and you can uh, quickly be overwhelmed. Um, it, it was funny. I was talking to a friend the other day. We were talking about how in college um, we, we thought we were so busy and then just each new season of life, you think that you're, you're even more busy. And you're like, how did I think that I was busy back then? Look at me today. And uh, I, I mean, I feel that way now. You know, I've got four kids and, and multiple jobs and all these different things going on and ministry and faithfulness at church and all these different things. And so you can just be so busy. And so building the discipline to just pause periodically, now that could be daily in your quiet time. But when I wrote this, I was really thinking about, you know, a couple of times a year, once or twice a year to go do uh, what friends of mine call a personal retreat. And that personal retreat um, should actually have some order or structure to it. And the way mine look like, and I actually have Evernotes um, dedicated to this in journals <laughs> because I've been doing it for a while and it's, it's actually time as I'm talking about this to go do it again. But uh, what I do is I first get right with God and I just reflect on the gospel and who I am in Christ. And uh, I just start unpacking each category of my life and I put them in order of priority. So very first is my relationship with God. Second is my relationship with my wife. And so I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing, okay, how's my marriage? How are, how am I doing? Am I being a faithful husband? And I'm asking all of these questions around that topic. Am I being faithful? And uh, often I'm realizing that, I'm, that there's areas to improve. And so what I do is I actually give myself a letter grade in each of these categories. I write out things that I'm doing well, and I write out, you know, it's simple. You know, I just write out three or four things that I need to do to improve between now and my next personal retreat. So then I work down my list. I talk about being a father to my four kids, and I think about my relationship with them and what I need to do to, to be a faithful father. I talk about uh, church or ministry. You know, what does that look like? That's noticeably separate from my category, which is first, right? And then I talk about my career and my profession and how am I doing at the um, at what God has called me to do and where I'm working and am I being faithful there? Um, what am I doing good at and what do I need to do to improve? I try to do that a couple times a year and then I document all of that and reflect on the last notes to hopefully see progress. And, and you get this, this is also part of sanctification, right? Each yeah. of these categories is an opportunity to reflect where I'm uh, growing in Christ-likeness. How, how long do you try to give yourself to do something like this? I know it's probably different for everyone, but... Yeah, different seasons, different times. Honestly, the hardest thing is to actually go and do it. Because of the busyness, you know, you're like on a treadmill. It's like when you're trying to jump off, you're, you're like, oh my goodness, I just need to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it just depends on the season of life. Um, if you've got heavy lifting to do in one of these areas, um, then I would, I would certainly dedicate more time. Um, but, you know, start with a day. Just start with a day. Get away to a quiet spot. Turn off the electronics. Get away from people knocking on your door and figure out um, 
you know, how to get right with God and, and get to work without interruptions. Do you try to like get out of town or are you just posting yourself up at a spot for a day or two and then coming home at night and hanging out with your family, then going back and working on it the next day if it takes two days? Like how does, how does that work? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's looked different, different seasons of my life. Um, I think I away sometime because even you know in the drive to wherever you're going is a reflective time to yeah. just kind of disconnect and kind of clear your head of distractions because uh, I talk about you know offices and emails and phone calls and all that kind of stuff but there's also mental distractions that keep you from doing this sort of thing so I think ideally going away but my problem is is that I I over torque the personal retreat in my mind that actually prevents me from actually going so I think yeah. the bigger the, the thing to remember is just, just make it happen. Just go do okay. it. This is a whole other conversation, but uh, one, of the, one of the things that I developed uh, for my personal retreat is uh, when I was first figuring out what I wanted to do, uh, someone had challenged me to, uh, this could be a little morbid, but, uh, but uh, basically to write your obituary. So it's kind of an interesting exercise that uh, I don't hear too often, <laughs> probably for good reason, but consider writing your obituary today and then write your obituary of what you would want to be said of you. And you'll notice there might be a difference between those two things. And uh, the difference between those two obituaries is often, you know, in the space where you kind of go through and you analyze, I've got one life to live for Christ. So what am I doing to be faithful? Um, and then I, I basically took that obituary and I had written out about 15 different uh, different categories of my life of what I wanted to be known for. And that's actually the list that I go through to grade myself. So uh, I would, I personally would love to see those categories. I'd love to see like how you have that uh, structured out just personally. Yeah. Um, to do it. Okay. So it's important to have good systems and processes in place. Pause, pausing periodically to reflect, analyze and refocus in life. What's the third thing that you wish that you knew walking into your first leadership role? Yeah, the uh, importance of recruiting and retraining good and excuse me, recruiting and retaining good staff. So you can you can hire good people, but if you don't create a culture where they're thriving and growing and 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 you know um, improving, if you will, um, if they're stagnant, then they're probably going to leave you, right? And uh, and that's not shouldn't be a matter of, of personal loyalty or anything like that, but really, again, stewardship that you, uh, I, honestly, I think if, if a lot of managers started calculating the cost of turnover, um, actually, I thought about this a lot at Southern Seminary because there was such heavy turnover with students. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you actually start putting a price tag on the turnover of staff, it's incredibly high. And so, um, not to be driven by those kind of metrics, but it's just an interesting note. So I believe that good managers and leaders want to create an environment where employees want to stay. I think um, fostering that intentionally, um, proactively, and not just letting it, you know, be kind of the afterthought that it often is, um, is really good stewardship, again, um, in, in management and leadership that you've got, as long as you've got the right people on the right bus, Jim Collins reference, moving the right direction, right? Then it's a matter of, you know, how do I keep them engaged? And um, what am I doing to um, not just make sure that they're happy in a worldly sense, but that they're, um, they're content and they're really giving everything that they can to the mission of the organization. 
Uh, that's really challenging in the secular world. But for Christian ministries and places like Southern Seminary, uh, it should be really, really easy to do because, you know, we, we start with the theology of work and of people, right? Recognizing that every person is created in the image of God and has been given certain, you know, abilities, experiences, um, education. And it's the leader's job to really steward that and to make sure that they're in the right spot, the right, the right role for, you know, how God's created them. And then creating that culture where they're learning and growing and developing, they have the resources, they know expectations, all of these different things are critical to that retaining category. All right, we're going to shift into the second, the second category. So if the first one was what, what did you wish that you knew? What are three, what are three leadership principles you didn't know walking into your first role? Uh, which principles have served you the most on a daily basis over the years? Yeah, this is actually a great segue. We didn't plan this, uh, no. but what I was just talking about, that theology of work um, and, and, and what we view um, that every human being is created in the image of God, what we were just talking about there leads right into uh, the importance of teamwork. So this, uh, the importance of teamwork is uh, uh, number one on that list. And, um, you know, a lot can be said about teamwork. I mean, everybody, you know, loves the line, teamwork makes the dream work, you know, all this kind of stuff is kind of goofy, right? But, but uh, teamwork is, is really, really vital for um, um, accomplishing our mission. You know, the moment we think that it's really all about me and that God's put me in this role and I'm, you know, I'm the leader, I'm in charge, we're going to do what I want to do and not you know, and not actually consider that other people may have, you know, perspectives that are really, really helpful to the organization in accomplishing the mission. Um, so in other words, humility is uh, the, the number one ingredient for healthy teamwork. Hmm. One of the best books on this is Team of Rivals by um, Goodwin on Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, you know, it's, it's this dramatic example of teamwork, but uh, the book is called Team of Rivals because when Abraham Lincoln becomes president uh, just before the Civil War, right, he actually takes his rivals. Some of them were more than rivals. They were enemies of his, and he hires them on his cabinet, and it's shocking. And you realize that um, Abraham Lincoln had incredible, incredible humility because here are people who were antagonistic against him, and yet he put them hmm. – um, he surrounded himself with these people. Why? Because he believed that these rivals, these people who were opponents, would actually help the union be the very, very best, would help him be the very best as president of the United States. And um, so it requires humility in this teamwork. Uh, why? Because uh, in a team environment, you recognize that you have other people on the team that all have a role in accomplishing the mission you realize that they all bring different gifts and abilities and experience and education, right? And so the leader of the team has got to have humility and a regular culture or a culture that allows regular input from the other team members. For example, I've got this incredible idea. Oh, we're going to go do this. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Let's, let's go do this. It's going to be incredible. It's right. It's wonderful. It's my idea. Yeah. But then someone on your team says, well, hold on a second, Calvin. What about, X, Y, and Z, or have you considered this? Or I worked at this one company and we tried something like that and this is what we found. You see, those, those, um, that input from other team members helps what might have been an, an okay idea be a really, really great idea. Mm 
And so the leader's role, just like Abraham Lincoln did, is to um, take the mission, take challenges, problems, crises, and really bring that team approach that allows the very, very best outcomes because you've got multiple people speaking into it. So um, I think that team, teamwork environment is critical for leaders to, to really foster um, a culture that allows that open you know, candor in the relationship. Now, it's important for team members to remember respect and timing is really important, right? And to present maybe an idea that might not be really popular in a very winsome, constructive way, right? So there's, you know, you want to be careful just criticizing and blasting someone, right? That's not super winsome. But to present alternatives um, in a way that uh, the leader would receive and take to heart. So those listening to this uh, staff briefing, it, it ranges everywhere from, you know, people that are, you know, salary employees that are putting in over 40 hours all the way down to people that are working 10 hours a week. And it can be hard when you're a student and your focus is school or supporting your spouse that is in school. Um, what would you say for someone that may feel like they're struggling to be a part of the team because they're not, their, their investment seems maybe small or insignificant to like the large scope of what's going on? Yeah, that's a great question. Thought a lot about that. Well, it really gets to a theological issue, God's sovereignty. If you really believe in God's sovereignty, and you're working in childcare part-time 10 hours a week, or you're cleaning rooms at the legacy hotel, or you're wiping down tables in the cafeteria or wherever it might be, God's to put you there for a reason. And to recognize that and to work to be the very, very best that you can be is critical. It's a theological issue. If you have the mindset that you're just here to work a few hours to finish this degree before I go on and do real ministry, you're really robbing yourself and the organization and your coworkers of the very best that God's called you to do. So this is a work is worship issue. This is, um, this is, this is really considering that I'm not just here working my 10 hours so I can get a degree or a paycheck, but this is really working because this is what God's called me to do for this season. So what does faithfulness look like? And I think part of faithfulness even includes speaking up when it may not be popular to do. I think, uh, I, I think of, uh, and I've been in several situations. I think employees actually have a God-given responsibility, a duty to speak to their supervisor or their leader mm-hmm. and say things that that leader needs to hear. So if you're keeping your mouth shut and you're not saying things that you probably should be saying, again, with grace, right? Seasoned with grace and love in a winsome way, being respectful because of the authority that God's put in your life, you, need, you have a responsibility to speak up and and say, hey, we could really improve here, or hey, you really need to know there's a problem over here. This is a tremendous waste of resources. You know, what about this? Have you have you considered X, Y, and Z? Um, and that's really comes to the, the teamwork. Everyone has to speak into the mission and the work so that A, first and foremost, God is glorified in us doing our best. And B, the team is winning because we're all working together for the accomplishment of the mission. That, that's, that's really helpful. You know, and I think that's even, that even speaks to, well, not even just the, the 10 hour a week employee, that speaks to 
you know, maybe if I feel like I'm wanting to kind of check out at work and, yeah. you know, I'm worn out and don't want to give it a hundred percent because things aren't moving as fast as I want them to, or whatever it is there, there's all, there's all kinds of things that can play into your work feeling insignificant. So I think one last question for, for this point is how can like, maybe this is like too pragmatic, but what are some steps that you would say that would be helpful for someone that's struggling with this to kind of refocus their attention, like practically so that like, if, if the idea is like work is worship, like practically, how would you pastor a member of your staff through something like this? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, I think most people have a pretty healthy understanding of whether they're working their best or not. Um, so, I, I mean, I think most people know in their heart of hearts, you know, you know what, I've really just been kind of going in doing the bare minimum. I think most people get that. Um, so I would do a little first, you know, examination that goes back to that pausing periodically, you know, stop and consider what is your job? What is the responsibility given to you? What authority do you have? And are you doing the very, very best? So just do a little self, you know, evaluation. Second to that, and I would do this regardless of that first, whatever you discover in point in the first point, but regardless, go to your supervisor proactively. Don't wait for the um, obligatory uh, performance review, right? Go to your, your supervisor proactively and ask them, how are you doing? And what can I do to improve? What are things that I'm doing um, that are really good? And what are some things that I can do to improve? And go solicit that information and take it to heart. Again, it requires humility, right? Because oftentimes with a, a supervisor, you're trying to impress them. You're trying to you know, show them confidence that you got it all figured out and you're doing the best and all that sort of thing. So go in just a one-on-one -on -one meeting, schedule it. Maybe it's, it's quarterly, something like that. But go in and, and just ask, how am I doing? What can I do to improve? There's a good article on this called Who's Got the Monkey? It's, it's just a really short article that talks about um, employees uh, working for their, their bosses. And, um, I think it, yeah, I'll, I'll have it here momentarily. Great. You know, with this same line of thinking gets to this next point, Calvin, I don't want to hijack your jump, your jump questions. the gun, go, go to, go to the second point. They're all linked Be because yeah, because character development and renewing your mind is what I had next on my list. And that's directly related to here. So I think as long as you're walking in the spirit, that you're daily opening the scriptures, you're on your knees. And I use the term renewing your mind because oftentimes, especially, and, and this is my background as well, but I think a lot of times we can be so committed to theology and truth, and that's really important. But, but just learning theology, learning doctrine shouldn't be the end of that mission. It really should be that information, that theology, that doctrine is helping renew your mind. And, uh, um, you know, as you're renewing your mind, filling yourself with um, the, the scriptures day in and day out, allowing it to wash through your thinking, renewing your mind, right? Filling every, cap, excuse me, captivating every thought. Um, it's really that sanctification process that helps you identify faithfulness in every category of your life, including the work as worship that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So that character development, making sure, because um, it's easy as Christians to say, oh yeah, yeah, read your Bible every day, pray every day. Um, but uh, I would just make that a point 
uh, as a reminder to myself and all of us who are following Christ, like that, that is a daily discipline. Uh, think of uh, Don Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian yeah. Life. Read that if you haven't. Um, but just thinking through um, what that means to have the right Bible input, the right prayer life, the right discipleship. How are we growing in Christ? If you're just at Southern Seminary just to learn for learning's sake, then you're going to you're going to be in a world of hurt. <laughs> so, so that's my point there is, uh, is just renewing your mind constantly, um, taking every thought captive and growing in Christlikeness towards righteousness. That's one of the reasons why um, when we talk about the Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because of his influential and critical work in our sanctification process. Remember that we are, we've been saved and we're being saved. And that's the sanctification process that's happening in every Christian who's following Christ. And uh, just, just um, I just put that in there as a reminder to me and to all of our friends. That that's so very important. And everything else flows from that. Remember when we we're talking about the retreat? That yeah. personal retreat started with that relationship with God. And, and that's, don't neglect that relationship with the Lord. Mm. Has massive implications. The danger is, is that we think, you know, that real ministry is, is really, you know, teaching and, and preaching and, and shepherding and counseling other people, right? That's why we're going to seminary. That's why we're doing these things. It's just so easy. And I would say even more strongly, it's a danger to think that that's real ministry. Um, I think human beings are like sponges. I know I am. And so you could be wrung out and a crisis might do that. Regular just leadership might, might ring you out. But what's going to come out when you're being wrung, right? Mm. Um, and so you have to keep it's just constantly putting in, putting in, putting in so that you actually have something to give to other people. You actually have something to preach. You actually have something to teach. You actually have something to counsel, wisdom to counsel with. It's, it's all, it all comes back to that renewing your mind, filling yourself with the scriptures. So it's so very important. Um, there, when I was at Southern Seminary, we tried to um, champion this, this notion. And I trust that leaders are still doing this today. But the very best thing that you can do, and I'm talking to every person who's listening, if you are a student or an employee at Southern Seminary, the very, very best thing you can do is to be in the scriptures and to be on your knees in prayer. That is the very best thing you can do for Southern Seminary. Okay. Uh, so finally, the last thing. Which we've actually already talked about. Yeah. So the third, so the first thing was importance of teamwork, then character development, renewing your mind. The third thing was the importance of candid input from people and the humility to heed. So let's take it on the flip side of, of things. Um, what do you say to someone that is maybe has a, maybe has observation, but they're fearful to express what they are thinking or feeling because they either fearful for their job or fearful that their opinion won't matter. Yeah. Some of the best advice I ever received was uh, the use of this term. Help me understand. Help me understand. Uh, why? Because, um, especially for uh, young, you know, fireballs, full of energy, passion. I know exactly what needs to be done. You know, um, it's easy to think that you know something with such certainty um, and to come at something or come at an issue or come at your boss with this 
passion and the certainty. Does that make sense? And so um, when you frame up, so think of, oh my goodness, I can't believe this person did this, right? Um, realizing that there's always two sides of a story, recognizing with humility that there may be something that you don't know. And so really just kind of taking a deep breath and coming at an issue, a question, a problem, whatever it might be, maybe it's a controversy or a conflict, and go to that person and say, help me understand. I saw so this, this, and that, and you responded like this, and you know, help me understand what was going on there, or why did you do this this way? It's just so disarming. And so uh, in relation to an employee-employer relationship, you know, I would, I would say, you know, if you are absolutely confident in your mind that your boss did something wrong or they should have done something slightly different, to just kind of take a deep breath, go and have a conversation with them, help me understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the humility says that, you know, the leader is often, you know, first, of, first and foremost, the leader is in their role because God has them there. So let's trust leadership. Let's also um, trust that maybe the leader knows something that we don't know. Let's give people benefit of the doubt, right? This, this is 1 Corinthians 13. This is agape love that we're hoping, right? We're believing all things. And, um, and so I think just really giving people grace and the benefit of the doubt um, in a situation. And then just to go have a conversation in a very disarming, constructive, winsome sort of way. Hey, you know, I was uh, doing X, Y, and Z, and um, I think it could be it could be improved if we did it like this. Would that be helpful, or am I missing something? Mm-hmm. You see, that's just such a, a it, the leader's going to hear that and go, oh, they really they really want to help us improve, and most leaders will welcome that. Other leaders may say, you know what, I've got experience, and we've, we used to do it that way, and we're doing it this way because of these reasons, and then you're better for it because you just learned um, of the why, right? The why that we do something, um, rather than just doing it the way we've always been doing it. So I just think that that, that kind of approach with grace, humility, and that winsome, that winsomeness, if that's a word, um, is, is really just the best place to start, but don't be silent, speak up, but just do it in the right way. Well, Jeff, I am so thankful for you. And I'm thankful that you gave some of your time this morning to kind of talk through some of these things and for investing in, the event staff, uh, all the way from Florida. Um, I think I want to end with one, one more question and you can kind of take this however you want. So the last episode I asked the final question, name someone that has been influential in their leadership development that would consider coming on and, and answering some of these questions. Yeah. So you're asking who would be another good candidate to kind of do a call like this to uh, yeah. to serve your staff. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, first of all, I, I think it just, you know, um, asking just is that uh, insatiable desire um, to learn and want to grow and explore the curiosity, you know? So I would, I'd hope that uh, you and your leadership team would, would foster that curiosity in, in all of your staff. Uh, that's what drove me to reach out to Lee Cockerell. And uh, even since then, we've, we've met on a number of occasions. I'm really thankful for his example and his resources. There's a couple other people that I did something similar to. Um, I'm fascinated by uh, the Battle of Mogadishu. And uh, I had heard this guy speak who is, uh, so this is the, the Black Hawk Down incident. And there was a uh, army ranger named Danny McKnight. Danny McKnight. So he's the Tom Sizemore character, if you've ever seen Black Hawk Down. And so I just reached out to him and said, hey, fascinated by your story, wondering if I could buy you dinner. 
And so I'll never forget going and having dinner with him when he was in Louisville Hmm. at one point. So yeah, I just share that because that's just a curiosity. Um, And I I know people have done that with Dr. Moeller, even at the largest seminary in the world with um, his busy schedule. Uh, some people just don't even think to like just reach out and say, hey, can can I invite you and Mrs. Muller over for dinner and just get to know you um, or take him out to dinner? So I just encourage that kind of learning and curiosity. Hmm. As far as uh, someone that I would recommend, uh, yeah, I can think of several folks. I think you could even ask Lee Cockerell. I think he'd probably come on and do something like this with you. Uh, Dan Dumas would be a great resource. He's got such uh, knowledge and information regarding um, Southern Seminary and his 10 years in leadership there. That'd be really helpful. Uh, Jimmy Scroggins is someone I just saw uh, down here in Florida at the Florida Baptist Convention. And he spoke at the Southern Seminary Breakfast. And uh, I think he would be a great person to, uh, to uh, invite on. So those are a couple of uh, names for you to think through. That's super helpful. And those are great names. And you've given us some, some people to work with. So Jeff, once again, thank you so much for giving your time today and for Thanks, uh, being here. Enjoy. <laughs> Sometime, right. let's talk about hospitality some more because we really didn't touch on that much. Today, well, we'll we'll have a time. if you're open to do this again, we'll come back and we'll we'll t- we'll tackle the the subject of Deal. hospitality. Sounds great. All right, thank thanks, you, Jeff. Thanks, everybody. Well, I hope that this conversation was helpful for you. I really enjoyed uh, talking with him. As we close the the staff briefing, I just want to say how thankful I am for each one of you for the work that you do. This office, I was just talking about this the other day. I truly believe that this office is the best office on campus. The way that we work together, the attitudes, the work, everything, it's just it's an incredible office, an incredible honor to work with each one of you. I'm thankful for 2019 and for everything that we've accomplished. I hope that you all have a wonderful weekend and wonderful time with Thanksgiving next week. Until next time, thanks for listening to the staff briefing. Mm-hmm.